A quick warning, this episode contains conversations about substance misuse, suicide, and self-harm. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, I'm Carmen. I'm Jackie. And I'm Emily, also known as Douglas. And we're your hosts. Welcome to Generation SOS On Record, a podcast that invites people to share their uncensored stories about mental health and substance use. We invite you to open your minds and your ears and allow these stories to speak louder than statistics ever could. I never really had someone that was going through the same thing. That musicians feel deeper. You you kind of feel like you can't tell anyone, which is like the opposite of what you should do. That I'm too young to like have been included in a conversation, which I kind of call bullshit on. Okay, hello, welcome, Abby. We're very excited to have you here. I want to first start off with you are not in the U.S., correct? Correct. I am in London, U.K. London, U.K. And have you been there your whole life? Were you born and raised? Um, I was born just outside London. And then I moved to London when I was 18. And then when I guess I was 23, 23, I think, I packed my bags and I left. And I went on a 10-year backpacking trip all around the world. I lived around Southeast Asia in like Thailand, Laos, uh, Cambodia. Then I went to Australia. Then I went to Canada. Then I lived in the States. Um, and then I and then I moved back to London. <laughs> and what motivated that trip? Well, escapism. <laughs> okay, I, let's get into yeah. it. Yeah, straight. Well, straight, straight into it. Uh, much. <laughs> Much as I, I've used like drugs and alcohol in the past, I use traveling as a way to, to escape or try to escape myself um, and try to escape my problems. Mm. But turns out no matter what country I moved to uh, and, and how much alcohol I drank, um, I still couldn't get away from myself or my problems. They just stuck around. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, was, I basically just wanted to run away. And it was supposed to be a six month backpacking trip. Uh, uh six months into it I was like no I'm gonna do this forever like, like why would I go back to the UK and have responsibilities and like a career and, <laughs> and like a partner why would I do that when I, I can drink and drug my way around the world um so that's what I did wow first of all wow no. <laughs> Thank, thanks for that let's let's rewind a little take yeah. it back I don't want to overwhelm you by saying to childhood but maybe let's take it back to childhood and like how did you get to that point? Um, so I I remember growing up just being a very, very sad child. Very, very sad. Um, my my father took his own life when I was really, really young, um, which really, really affected me, which I which I only kind of realized um in the last few years how much that deeply affected me. Um, and so I was raised by my mother. Um, who herself turned to alcohol in order to cope with her pain of losing my father. So I was, uh, she wasn't really around at all. And when she was around, she was generally in blackout. Um, And it was very, very like unloving, unloving um, environment. Um, Like we, we had a terrible relationship. We're okay now, but we kind of like healed a little bit. Um, But yeah, we had a terrible relationship when I was when I was a little kid. And then when I got into my teens, 
her alcoholism kind of um, is progressive disease, right? So her alcoholism got worse um, and the abuse got worse. It was, it was very, very emotional, emotionally abusive. So I just remember being a young kid and, and her telling me that she wished I'd never been born and that, and then and then saying to me like kids will ruin your life never have kids so I was really really little and I was learning all these things so I grew, I grew up basically I learned to a hate myself and b to deal with emotions by ignoring them and by drinking them away um and that's basically what that those were the foundations of my childhood they, they those were my that, those were my, my develop, developmental years and so I got to the point where I wanted to run away because I hated myself and that was that was my my coping mechanism that's how I was taught to um, manage my emotions was just to run and to ignore them and to to do whatever do do whatever in my power to uh, not feel basically that's childhood and I I think you know we've been through a lot of a lot of stories now up until this point um where you know, things that happen later in life, this temptation to escape, turn to drugs and alcohol, turn to other unhealthy coping mechanisms, they all start from very young ages. And so I know that that's a serious common thread. Um, when in that journey of kind of self-hatred and that relationship with your family, did you start to turn to these coping mechanisms? I think, so I, I use drugs and alcohol also as a form of self-harm. Um, I think I turn to to self-harm from a very early age when I was like maybe like a seven or eight and then and then I started so I'd always use that as kind of a coping mechanism and then and then I had my first drink when I was maybe like I guess I was like 13 and I like because I, I would see my mum drinking all the time and I, I remember just thinking like oh I wonder what's so special about that drink and then I remember drinking and getting drunk for the first time and then not feeling myself like not feeling like I was in my own skin and it was such a relief I was like oh my god amazing <laughs> like if I drink then not only am I like punishing myself this is all subconscious right so like not only am I punishing myself by by kind of like sabotaging myself um I also don't feel like I'm living in this body that I hate and this I and I dis- disconnected from the person that I was, who I hated, like with a with like ugh, with so much disdain, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So I reckon I was probably about thirteen when I started drinking, and then and then realizing the kind of effect that it had on me, and that and that I could I could forget who I was if I drank. What's the culture of drinking and drugs there? Does that have a big impact? I know they have a younger drinking age than they do in the States. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, so drinking's like, I know it's very similar around the world, but drinking is very, like, it's very ingrained in British culture. It's a big part of British culture. The drinking age is 18, but, like, you're expected to drink and get drunk, like, from, a, from your teenage years, basically. It's completely accepted. It's just normal. Like if you're get if you're binge drinking when you're like 14, 15, like it's not weird. That's mm. just like, oh, that's you're just being a teenager. That's just like you being a kid. Um and yeah, yeah, just drinking is very accepted in British culture. And it and, and I found that 
my my entire like my entire adolescence and my entire adulthood so it's quite easy to sort of like for it to go unnoticed because everyone's drinking everyone hangs out in the pub like not so much teenagers not so much now hang out at the pub but when I was a teenager so I'm 35 next month so when I was a teenager in like the early 2000s um drinking ages at pubs just didn't really exist like you could you could get served alcohol as like a 16 year old um I think they're a bit more strict now but back then like yeah it's, it's very easy to kind of like fade into the background and for like drinking problems to go unnoticed because it's just so accepted for right. sure. I, mm. I imagine that's incredibly and sadly universal. Um, mm. So at some point in this journey, you must have reached a point that brought you to get sober or at least try to before we get into what that journey was like of trying to get sober um, and the ups and downs of that. Mm. What was like what got out of hand enough for you to want to get sober? It was it wasn't so much that I chose sobriety. It's more like, like sobriety chose me. That sounds so lame. Um, <laughs> it's like when people like buy a dog or something. When I adopt a dog, the dog didn't, I didn't choose the dog. The dog chose me. But like I was pretty much like out. Of, I was out of options, right? And so this, I got sober in 2020, two and a half years ago, um, April 1st, 2020 is my sober date. Um, so I I was in Canada um, in yeah early. 2020 and I just had the worst year of my life like it was just rock bottom after rock bottom after rock bottom like I I moved to New York with my boyfriend um I lost that relationship due to my absolute like alcoholism and being unstable and unmanageable um and then to deal with that breakup I started smoking crack um I tried then I tried to kill myself I got put in a psych ward and then I lost my job because I, <laughs> I drank an entire bottle of vodka at work. Um, like all these things, I was just on this like pure path of self-destruction. Like I just, I didn't want to live anymore. So I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to destroy as much stuff as possible. Um, and I, I did quite a good job of destroying everything. <laughs> like, it was like, like, yeah, it, honestly, it was just the worst. Um, and then the pandemic hit like I, I just lost my job I was working in a restaurant um on Vancouver Island I just lost my job because of my drinking um and then the pandemic hit and I was forced to move back to the UK like all the other backpackers and travelers were all moving back to their home countries so I did as well and then I, and then I used I used the pandemic as pandemic as like a cover that I didn't tell anyone I lost my job because I was like blackout drunk um I told them because it was because of COVID um, and it it forced me to go back home. I moved back in with my mum and it was in, into the childhood, into my childhood house where I grew up and I carried on binge drinking. I carried like downing spirits and I was still on my, my, my spiral of self-destruction until I think I, I just been on like a two, two week bender. And I woke up one day and I cleared all the bottles out of my my room because I'd, I'd hidden them like behind my bed. That's what I used to do when I was a teenager. Like I'd, I'd or whenever I stayed at my mum's house as an adult, like I'd hide bottles behind the bed 
um, and then take them out when, like, take them out to the trash when my mum wasn't looking or when she wasn't home. Um, so I cleared out all these bottles, and I just felt, oh, I felt terrible. Like I was, I was hungover. My body was going into withdrawal. Um, I was just so depressed, so so sad. And I sat at the end of my bed, and like it's it was such a, a weird experience. But but I, like, I received a message. Like I just, it was like I couldn't. I could hear like a little voice in my head that just told me like you don't have to do this anymore like you just don't have to do this anymore and then all of a sudden everything sort of like made sense it's like I was I had just like come up with the answer to like an al- a really complicated algebra question that I'd been like thinking about my entire life everything just slotted into place and I just realized I was like oh my god I need to stop drinking alcohol like alcohol is it's destroying me like I'm, I'm literally about to die and then I and then I realized I didn't want to die and it was then that I kind of like completely surrendered to the fact that I'd lost control I'd lost control over my drinking my substance abuse my mental health like everything like I was like I just realized I was completely powerless and then that was a lot of that and then I hadn't haven't drank since then Wow. What a story. I mean, that, that moment of, of reckoning, I haven't heard something like that. I mean, that is like a singular moment in your life that changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And like, it's so weird because like, I couldn't, I couldn't force that moment. It it sounds like it just came to you when it needed to. And, you know, oftentimes we say like, it's the person needs to get sober within themselves. It's not someone else Mm -hmm. force that upon them. And it sounds like I mean, within yourself is an understatement for this. This just com- completely came to you out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And, you know, what I was, what I was curious about was, you know, how many attempts did it take for you to get sober? But it sounds like this was it. This, that was it. That was it. I mean, it's not been easy and I've had like terrible times and I've had to, and I've had to change my, my, um, my methods of sobriety a couple of times. What did you do in those first few weeks to get sober? So in those first few weeks, I, well, the first week my body went through withdrawal. Um, I didn't know that that was really dangerous and that you should not just like stop drinking alcohol if you're a heavy drinker. But I did. Um, <laughs> and so I was really sick for for a week and a bit. Like I was really, really, I was like bedridden. Um, so I watched Netflix <laughs> for a long time um and then like you know it was horrible I just I had like the shakes and I was like hallucinating and I had like fever and cold sweats and stuff um but once I started feeling a bit better I started I guess seeking community I suppose in a way I, w- I remember going on Instagram and then I unfollowed all like the party accounts and like the, the drinking meme accounts that I followed I unfollowed all them and then I just searched for sober and recovery um, and then I just started like following loads of sober meme accounts instead and, and people. And then I re- realized there was like a community of, of people who were just like me, actually, who were just normal women who just happened to have an alcohol problem. <laughs> I started I started my own Instagram page. I started a fashion account. I've always loved fashion always like I've always loved styling and photo shoots and stuff like that so if this was lockdown this was beginning of lockdown as well like we we had stay at home orders um in the UK um and so I and I couldn't work anyway 
um well I just lost my job and I was recovering from alcoholism like, <laughs> it was like there was no way I could I could work um so like, I knew that I needed some sort of something to kind of set my mind to and something to occupy myself and and, and I wanted to do something creative so I started a fashion Instagram account and yeah I did <laughs> I worked out a lot I did a lot of like yoga and meditation I downloaded a sobriety app on my phone and started counting my days which for me was really important because I could see my progress Mm. um and every day I was feeling like a little bit bit stronger you know the pandemic was a really horrible time for the world um but but for me personally it gave me time and space to to reflect and to work on myself and to like really make these changes in my life that needed to happen and and I had a lot of like time to think and yeah just self-reflect yeah I literally I think my method of sober sobriety in those early days was just focusing on myself yeah completely yeah you got to do that inner work I was, I was just too focused on myself to kind of like worry about my relationship with my mother and, and stuff like that. Like I think early sobriety and recovery um, is, is a time where you can be selfish and you can, it is, it, it is all about me. Like, you know, like just for now, like it's, it's about me and I can just focus on myself for a little bit. And one common thing we've heard from a lot of interviews with individuals who are sober is believing in, something bigger than themselves because they mm. cannot they're like we, I cannot do this alone I can make the choice but I do have to believe in a higher power do you also have that um I do now I didn't I didn't start I didn't start my recovery journey in that way um I didn't I just had no idea what I was doing <laughs> I literally had no idea um so my first like my first 18 months of sobriety were, were great like I was like oh my god I fixed all my problems everything's fine now like I've stopped drinking I'm like a responsible adult everything's gonna be great um and then about 18 months down the line kind of reality hit and I had to live with myself and and the, the euphoric high of, of early sobriety had worn off and I was like oh shit what do I do now um <laughs> and then um and then I entered a 12-step program uh, I didn't know what else to do like when I look back on this like I, I with my recovery I feel like I've had two moments of surrender the first time was when I surrendered to the fact that I'd lost control of my drinking I'd lost control of my mental health and everything was a mess so that was my first moment of surrender my second moment of surrender was when I was about 18 months in and 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 I realized I couldn't do it any on my own anymore like up until that point I'd done everything by myself and so I kind of just threw my hands in the air, surrendered and said, I can't do this by myself anymore. So I, I entered a 12 step program and um, yes. And now, now very much, I, I believe in the power of community and connecting to other people who have like, there's nothing like it, like connecting to someone who has the same kind of problems as you, who's dealing the same kind of stuff as you. Like it's, it's just magic. Magic happens when you connect to someone in that way, you know? So yeah, that's, what's bigger than me that's that's a power that's a force that's that's bigger than me that connection when that connection is difficult to access I'm thinking during COVID I'm thinking on like a normal day that maybe you're home alone Mm -hmm. what do you turn to when you hit lows 
Um, when I hit lows now, well, now I call my sponsor. She loves it. <laughs> <laughs> All the time, I'm like, hey, it's me. <laughs> um, yeah, also, also I, go, oh, I go to the gym a lot. I work out a lot. Um, I meditate a lot. Like, that's, that's like a connection to myself like in meditation and I like stuff like mindfulness and you know it's not it's not for every everyone it's not something that everyone can necessarily access um but something it's something that yeah it, it helps me connect to myself and even that connection to my like my truest form like that that really yeah. helps me mm. that is all of it isn't it yeah I'm curious basically I'm curious about what kind of tokens of wisdom you've learned from going through all this since childhood until now um, that you can share with us and our listeners, uh, people who maybe went through similar things as a child, maybe did not, but had similar emotions. Back up what we've just been discussing is you don't have to do it alone. I thought for so long for, for uh, into adulthood. It, in fact, in, up until like the last year, I just, I just had this idea, this, I don't know, this belief that I was a burden and then this belief that I could do it myself and other people are just going to interfere. And, uh, and you know, I just want to do it my way. And the thing is, my way got me to the point where I was a depressed alcoholic who was smoking crack. Like, that, that was my way. Like, yeah, that's the, that's the biggest thing I've learned is to connect with other people, reach out for support, because support is there, people want to help, um, and you, like it, you can't do it alone. You just can't. And there's there's no, I don't like it. It was a very big step for me to be able to kind of surrender and and reach out for help. But but once I did, like it's you know it's like sh- it's sharing the the, uh, the the unbearable weight of of these problems that we have whether they be mental or addiction based you know um that yes yeah that would be my main piece of piece of wisdom is that you don't you don't have to do this alone you have a recovery journal is that something you made and you're like I wish I had that during the beginning of my recovery or is it just something you started for yourself to guide you know your own journey through recovery and now you have it for others I think it's absolutely amazing Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that you, <laughs> you, you like it. Um, yeah, it was pretty much like what I wish I had when I was starting out with my recovery journey. So I, like, I, wrote, I wrote a gratitude list every morning and every night. Um, and then and, and I said like affirmations in the mirror and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wanted to kind of have to take like little little bits of of methods that I found really helpful in early sobriety and just put them all into like a guided prompted journal so it's just so it's all like super super simplified and it's all there for people it's like right just just do this in the morning fill out these things it will take two minutes and then do the same at night and then little by little we'll start to feel a bit better it's it's mostly about like self-reflection so it's like like because that 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 really helped me and it you know it's something that's difficult to kind of just do like just sit down and be like oh I'm going to reflect on myself like it's that's a strange concept so I figured like if having like a super simple journal that prompts these questions that help you self-reflect um that that will give people a 
better insight into what they're feeling, how they're go, how they're doing, and then also tracking progress. I found that so helpful. Like just you know, it is one day at a time. Um, so I think like yeah, counting my days in early sobriety like was super important to me. Um, not so much anymore, um, but in those early days because. Just every every day when I was like, oh my god, I've not drunk for a week. I've not drunk for eight days, for nine days. Like it's such an amazing sense of achievement, um, and it just spur- spurred me on. So I thought, yeah, yeah, tracking progress. I thought was important too. Kind of wrapping up mm-hmm. for individuals who are thinking about being sober, say forever, but maybe they're having a hard time with that concept because forever is we can't wrap our minds around that. Yeah. What is some advice you have for them? Is it day by day, like you just said? Yeah, yeah, one day at a time. Like, I think it's important to keep it in the day and just to focus on what's happening now. Because like you said, like, thinking of forever like is, like, ugh, mind-bending. And then also, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, you know? Like, life is unpredictable. So just thinking about today and how you can best serve yourself today. And in many instances, that will be to stay sober. And then just, just yeah, 24 hours at a time, you know? Um, yeah, I think, I think problems are easier to face when we, when we break them down. I'm super young and learned a ton from your story. So um, I can imagine what other people are gonna gain from this too. But nice. we're just so excited to have spoken to you. And I think your story is gonna help a lot of people. Amazing. Amazing. I've loved, I've loved chatting to you both. For more conversations like these or to find a support system near you, go to generationsos.org.